Hello and welcome back to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This is part two with Soccer Dave and Ismael. I'm going to save all my comments to the end, so let's start this chat and head to the pitch. I think the biggest thing, you know, is, and I think it's the biggest thing that I that I do that I have um, kind of this calling for is just to just to be there like you know in in what the shirt that i that i you know created that the message that i want to share is you know we we have to be willing to to play with freedom you know and i think you know the whole message is live free play free right because i don't think that we can play with freedom if we haven't figured out how to live with freedom we live stressed out, anxious, under pressure, having to do this, having to do that, having to raise our kids the right way. Like, like we are doing our best, right? But it's, it feels so overwhelming. And then even at, let's just be honest, like as adults, we haven't figured it out or we'd all be millionaires too. Like at work, things aren't perfect. Like we're not perfect at work. We struggle with, with anxious thoughts. We struggle with anger, with unforgiveness. I mean, we could take this anywhere we want. Right. And, and so to then look at a child, you know, a 12 a, a year old, even a 13, a 14 year old, even, and, and talk to them like they should have it figured out, bro. I don't have it figured out, <laughs> but I do have some tools that we can talk about that I have implemented in my life to deal with certain things, to deal with fear of failure, to deal with stress, to deal with anxiety, to deal with these pressures, you know, some certain thought processes that I can we can talk about those things, but to pretend that you either haven't, shouldn't have those thoughts or that you should overcome them real quick because this is how you do it. What really, if somebody tried to talk to us like that, we'd probably punch them in the face. Yeah. I, I think I like what you said. It's live free, play free. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this earlier when you were talking about it. So the American model for soccer, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place, and but this is how my brain thinks. No, I'm good, sorry. Um, the play practice play model. I struggle with it. I, I say it is creating lazy American coaches. And the reason why I say this is because the play practice plays, they come in scrimmage. You have it kind of set up how you want practice to be arranged. You go through the, the practice part, and then you go through the last scrimmage part, the, the last play part, and coaches will just say, let them learn through the game. There's no correction. There's no fixing what they're doing wrong based on what you spent a third of your practice supposed to be about. And they just let's say, trust the game, trust the game. Like, but you aren't developing, you aren't building upon that. Uh, but that goes back to your, what you just said, live free, play free. How do you build the structure then to help these kids build that technical and tactical side of the game because tactical I feel comes at the, the 13 14 years age up where the technical side that first touch uh local coach here you might have known him Patty uh, Gallagher he was with Odyssey for a while mm-hmm. um him and his son ran Odyssey and he says a f- bad first touch leads to a bad pass which leads to another bad pass which leads to a turnover which leads to a goal where do, where do it, you learn learn what that trend that that sequence of events that is what he said and he goes that's from watching the game for all these years it's learning how to build that technical side as an individual so right. they can no, but grow. i'm saying where where do you learn that a bad touch leads to a bad pass leads to a from you whoever's learn? telling you this stuff i mean no, as an you adult, learn it from, you learn it from playing yes that's true that's where you that's where you learn it Right. And it doesn't always have to be this is so we have to give them freedom to correct also. Right. Like in your first statement in your just now with the the turn that you were going on, you said corrected and fixed. Those are two words that stood out to me. I got a question. Even as adults, do we we like to be corrected and fixed? No, they're necessary. They're necessary. I'm not arguing that they're not necessary, but I, I am saying that they're annoying and we don't like them. Right. Right. Okay, so how we correct and fix, I'd rather do it through curiosity, right, through question, and then if the kid's interested enough for me to show him exactly how to put your foot when that ball's coming in, I'll do that too, right? 
but and and so but to i think that that's that right there is already i don't want to say part of the problem it's not a problem but it, it's a um i mean just those the, those those two words like the fact that they stuck out to me corrected and fixed like that's not really anything do you think a kid wants to go to a practice and be corrected and fixed an eight-year-old no. no they want I, I, now, the, the kid does want to learn kids are sponges right right okay so how can i right this is interesting i'm going along with with what i'm thinking right now how can i squeeze the sponge in in a gentle nice way so that when i run it underwater and release it soaks up as much as possible that's with that's with compassion and caring i i think that's the only way of that's, doing it that's what so that's the secret that's the secret how can i squeeze you as much as possible so that during this training session, the entire training session is going to be release, right? right? But the release, that already plays, like that word already sounds freeing as opposed to corrected and fixed. Right. It's just like- That's I've... what we're doing. That's what we're doing as adults. And we know that. But to the kid, it has to feel like a release. Like, wow, that was cool. I really like that. Um, uh, my son and I talk- we, we have really in-depth conversations about sports, but I ask a lot of questions because I have learned if I just browbeat him with a conversation, I was telling, uh, is Mel, am I saying it right now? <laughs> I've written down. Um, you're getting better. You're getting better. You're getting better. I'll get it Let's by the end. By midnight, yeah. You're yes. getting better. I, I tell him, there's no such thing as perfect. I don't ever want you to feel like you have to be perfect. And that was the culture I grew up, you had to fit this perfect little mold. And I felt like I'm the one that broke the mold in my family. I had the, like the little flange coming out of the mold. And it is, I told my son, like, I just want you to put your effort in and try to do it correct. Cause there's no such thing as perfect. And my wife says, you had a perfect shot. He goes, I didn't have a perfect shot. Mom. I had a correct shot. And it's like, I I'm like, these are the conversations I'm having with a nine-year-old because I have learned from my own mistakes from being how I was raised and my own mistakes as parent. It's a never ending process. It's the words we use, like you said, correct and fixed is the slow release of the sponge. It's like, it's trying to eliminate words. It's just like with a school. It's like, I apply soccer to everything. I go, when you hustle in your schoolwork, what does it mean? And what does it mean when you're doing in your classroom? I go, how do you, we talk about active listening and this is the big thing it's like in sports school whatever it is but i'm circling back to what you're saying it's like you have to live free to play free it is soccer is the avenue to, to that i feel for so many kids i think that's why you who have been successful because you've lived i i want to say you may have learned that later on in life but you've lived by that philosophy right now um and it is how do we teach parents that then? And how do we teach our players that, that mentality? Because I feel like we have the soul crushing Soviet union style of coaching here in the United States. I can't think of it any other way. I think of Rocky and how the Soviet unions were training this, the boxer in the, in the movie It is to be these little machines. And you you don't have that play free part then or live free part. It is you're going to go out and kick the ball for 30 minutes today. It's like I told my son, like, I will play with you, but you have to put the initial work in. I want to see you have the want and drive. I will play with you, but it won't be the same way we've always played. Like, I want to see you love the ball. Go kick the ball. Ten minutes, that's all I ask. I'm not asking for you to, and I'll be happy with a minute, and I'll go play left, what we call left foot in the hallway right, there, right now, behind me. Yeah. Um, it is just so he wants to it's not because i want him to and this is the conversation i think parents are struggling with we were at his private lesson recently and he turns to me and the coach says he's not feeling well and i turn to him i go bud what do you want to do do you need to take a 10 minute break i know it's hot do you need to take a 10 minute break or do you need to go home i go be honest i go if you want to say go home that's fine it's okay we've made this trip i don't know how many times and we've had to cancel as soon as we've gotten here it's okay we're driving from Keller to Frisco. It's an hour drive and to go work with his private coach. And we got there one time and his ankle hurt. And the coach goes, nope, we're done. I'm like, okay, bud, let's get in the truck. And we just chatted and listened to music all the way home. Nothing about soccer, nothing. 
And then this happened. And it's like, but you can't disappoint me when you're not feeling well. And I think that's where parents have to listen. And I think having Dave, you might be doing it well with all these coach, with all these kids you coach. It's that you can listen to them and they they have your trust as a coach. And maybe you can relay that message to the parents then what's really going on. Because I feel like no one wants to tell their parents anything. And I think it progressively gets worse as they're teenagers. How do you, how did you learn this philosophy then to play, to live free, to play free? Or how did you come to that conclusion then? Through God. <laughs> that's the, but, I mean, that's, that's an answer. Honesty, no, no, in all honesty. So, so, okay. So I mentioned I had a little bit of a coming to Jesus uh, moment. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in detail right now. So when I, so in a span of three days, okay, I didn't mention this earlier, in a span of three days, um, I, we, let's see, um, how do I get my facts straight? It's like three days I had to play, I signed with an agent. That's what it was. I signed with an agent. He gets me a tryout at uh, Toronto FC in the MLS. So I'm finally going to break into the American game, right? Um, my, I get, I get hurt. All that goes away. And then the third day, my wife tells me we're pregnant with our first child. Oh, my. So, you know, I, I just now didn't make it sound as dramatic as it was because I've said this a, a million times. I'm so past it. But it was so, so that's made me spiral. I spent two years of which a year and a half, I didn't even touch a soccer ball. I did not touch a soccer ball. My I would go visit. We'd go to my parents' house. Um, this and that my dad would just like pass me a ball in the hallway or whatever in the in or in the backyard and I'd just watch it go past and I'm like dad I'm not doing that nah, 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 let's do something else so that you know because I'm not doing that like a year and a half bro imagine me soccer day going a year and a half without touching a soccer ball and a matter of fact anything having to do with a soccer ball I didn't I blocked friends that I only played soccer with on my phone I didn't go to any like tournaments games nothing I just stopped answering phone calls, stopped answering texts about that for a year and a half. And you're like, hold on, this is soccer day. Like he's so positive. He's so like, this guy went through that. Yes, I went through that. And then, and then what happened, this is just dead, dead honesty. What happened was I, I became really bitter and angry towards God because I felt like he took something from me. I had my talents. I had my life. I had my plans. I had my future. And you took it all from me. And I was driving in my little Honda Civic down 635 one time. And I was alone in my car. And I just heard a voice like a whisper in my car freaked me out. And it just said, dude, you're being selfish. Nothing was ever yours. It's all been mine. And you are still mine. It was it was so simple. And, and that began what was a six-month process of me releasing all that bitterness, all that anger, all that pressure, all that um, just anxiety, stress with my future, and, and really bitterness and anger were, were the biggest things. And I was like, okay, yeah, if, you know, I treated my life as if it was mine. I treated soccer as if it was mine. I treated my gifts and talents as if they were mine for me to use for my game. And when I felt like I couldn't anymore, the hell with it. But the reality is, I just need to be reminded, hey, dude, relax. It's okay. There's still so much you can do with this. And you still have it. You still have these gifts and talents. You can still juggle the mess out of a soccer ball. You still have an amazing smile and charisma for a bunch of people. You, you just got to get your eyes off of yourself and what you thought you know, and, and put it on, put it on God and what he can still do with you. That's the birth of the freedom to live the freedom to play. I, you, so you're telling me I can just enjoy this toy again, stress-free and just play. Yeah. I'm telling you, you can do that. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let me start doing that again. Then I started doing it again. And I started I started coaching again. I started playing again. Four months after that, I was on a flight to go to Spain to go try out. It all came back for full circle. That that trip to Spain, what people don't realize 
is is that showed me how sovereign and how loving God is. That after I, in my bitterness, in my anger, said the hell with all of it, he still gave it to me when I got back in a right place. Still. To me, who was more unworthy of that, I said some things, did some things in that period of time. They ignored a soccer ball, ignored all my gifts, all my talents, all my joy, all my love. And it was just an angry human, you know, unrecognizable to me today. And still allowed me the opportunity to play in Europe, which was my, my childhood dream. Right. And I'm not taking away anything that 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 I worked my butt off to do and to get good and to emulate Ronaldinho and to spend. I'm talking hours upon hours upon hours upon dozens of hours, hundreds of thousands of hours with a ball to be able to do the skills. You say I make it look easy now, dude, I'm still learning some things to do with the ball right now that are difficult to say. I spent an hour and 10 minutes yesterday trying to do this new because I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and enter a freestyle competition in December. And I'm not nearly, I can't do what those guys do. And I don't want to do what they do, but I do want to get better and learn some new things. I spent an hour, I failed for an hour and 10 minutes. I still didn't land the move. I failed for an hour and 10 minutes. And one of my, one of my close friends, he says, one of the things he loves about me is how quick I reset after I fail. I fail, I reset, I fail, I reset. So if you, if you're, let's, let's just assume because I fell and reset so quick, I'm trying to move every six to 12 seconds. Times that by an hour and 10 minutes. How many times did I try and fail? I'm just, I don't know. But the point is, right, like I'm not taking away, I'm not discounting my hard work and I'm not discounting my mentality and, and my efforts. But I am saying there is something sovereign and divine about, that's why it's not just, hey, dude, learn to play without stress. No, no, no. We have to live without these things first. And you don't just live without them like they never come back. Like, that crossing out of those words on the shirt is a daily task. It's a daily task. It's every day there's something that happens that stresses me out. Every day is something that happens that, you know, freaks me out a little bit. I live in fear for a little bit, right? But we start gaining edges and learning certain tools that work. And the better we get at using those tools, the faster we can cross them out when they come up, right? But they don't just not come up, right? And sport is the same way. And and so you got to learn these tools, these these avenues, mental avenues, uh, spiritual avenues, um, community avenues, friends, family, on how to deal with certain things when they come up. Now, the, the biggest problem and the error, if I were to put it in my words, what we're saying is it's sometimes we don't even wait for these things to come up. We introduce them ourselves. I'm going to introduce my kid to stress so that he can learn to deal with it. What are you doing? So toxic. Yes. I'm going to put my kid under pressure so that then when he's under pressure, he knows that, dude, that's not, you got to be the point that's there for him when he's under it, not the guy that gives it. I I think. And the coaches the same way, right? I'm not just speaking parents, like coaches the same way coaches. And there, there are, I don't want people to either uh, to also hear what I'm saying and be like, oh, he babies people. Oh, he doesn't put people under pressure. No, no, no. I do. I promise I do. That's part of developing is learning how to deal with pressure. But how do I deal with pressure? Hey, hey, dude, that was fast. That was amazing. You went through that grid so quick. What if we give you a countdown? What do you think? Six seconds, five seconds. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm that fast. Okay, well, let's start at eight and see what happens. Well, now when they're going through the grid, they hear eight, seven, six, and they're freaking out. But they're, but they're, because it's a natural thing to do when you hear a countdown, not because I'm freaking you out. You're going through the natural process of freaking out in the new element based on the new variable that popped up. And there's variables that pop up all the time. But when they pop up for me, hey, I want you to know I'm not the variable. There's a there's a countdown variable. It's not me. I'm still disassociated from the thing giving you stress. Right. It's the time that's the stress. It's not the it's person not, applying. Right. And so it's- we have to figure out ways to still be there like, hey, you know, this environment can be stressful, da, 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 but I'm not the point of stress. I'm not the point of, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and because all three of us here on the call are married, like imagine if you were the point of stress for your wife and not just the world. And then she can rely on you and, and you can help her get through the stress or we get through it together. Imagine if you're the point of stress, like, and I've been that <laughs> I've been that I'm sure we all have. And that's, it's not good. It's not good. 
Right. So as we I think of how to put this because it, it, it's such a the game is so, so, how do I phrase this? The, there's so much off the pitch that we learn because of the game. And mm -hmm. I feel like the, the big message that you have given is that all the little message, all the little competitions, the little side games, the little the one twos, whatever you want to call them, that you've learned from the age of six moving to Argentina learning to find that passion, that love has truly given you your pathway to be where you're at today. You're on a, you're on a professional team at 32 years old, which is, to be honest, is well, phenomenal. It's fun. It's, fun. it's, it's phenomenal. Fun. I mean, it's humbling and it's fun. I'm enjoying it. And that's the thing, but you, you hit, you hard hit work that, too, but I'm not going to, no, I, I, I mean, I, I'm 39 and I can't imagine playing, a pro sport at when I was 32 and I was in way better shape then than I am now. Ismael, Ismael keeps me honest. He's always asking me how my gut's going. I keep reminding him I'm still working my butt off to have the six pack. <laughs> and, I was, and I was going to ask you, Dave, I mean, for how long were you out of the field, like, like real in competition where you are right now? And, yes. And, and you just came, came back. back stronger. Yeah, so. I came back to Spain and I pretty much, I think, I think from uh, – I tried to look back when I started the USL2 season with all these, you know, young college teammates that I had, and I was trying to figure out how much I had played since I came back from Spain the summer of 2019. And I think that summer of 2019 to summer of 2023, I had played less than 15 90-minute games. Wow. And I, th I think that's – I think I can confidently say that's accurate. Um, 11 v 11, 90 minute games. I'd played less than 15 and, you know, UPSL. So, you know, still not comparable to like USL two or anything like that. And, um, but yeah, it was, it's been fun. It's been, it's been very hard, um, rigorous on my body, but I prepared my body. Well, um, I got counseling, how to, you know, get everything right from diet to, um to stretching to yoga to stability work um you know flexibility you know i, I prepped my body so my chance not not people don't know this people just see the highlights of it i spent two and a half to three months prepping my body to endure what it was actually going to do to take for me to get in shape which was another two and a half months So I knew I was going to have to get in shape, right? So Because I know the workload and the toll that it takes on my body to get in shape, to run a two-mile in under 12 minutes, to be able to play back-to-back 90-minute games, to do all this stuff, right? And and I just knew that I, what, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my body through what it needed to go through unless I prepped it. But prepping it was two months' work. It's, prepping yeah, it was two months' work of tedious, tedious yoga, nutrition, um stability work plyometrics at a at a very light pace which when your body is like where your when your mind is like dude i gotta push i only got four more months like i gotta really push no 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 not yet it's not time yet be patient prep the body prep the body let's get that joint a little bit stronger let's get that that part of the muscle tendon or the muscle uh fiber a little bit stronger because you're gonna have to start running you know, for 20 minutes, you're going to have to start hitting these sprints. You're going to have to start cutting with power. You're going to have to start doing all this stuff and you're not ready yet. And so it's like almost like coming back from an injury and it's this tedious work that these athletes always talk about and they're like ready to get back, but it's not, it's not time, you know? And I had to put my mind through that and my body through that. And it was very, very difficult, but I just believed like if I did it right, it would be a really, really fun summer. And sure enough, uh four we had four players um all under the age of 23 that had muscle issues throughout the summer i'm 32 i had none you know i stayed healthy the entire summer and um it's the work that i put in it was just the work that i put in i, I treated myself like a professional you know on the time that i could because i was doing a million other things throughout the summer Um, my schedule didn't stop. My family didn't stop. Nothing stopped. I had to find the time. You know, you can ask my wife. There were times where I'd get home at, you know, 11 p.m. Hadn't worked out yet. Hadn't done my stuff yet. Well, it's time to do it now. You know, or other times if I could plan ahead, tomorrow's going to be a really long day. I'm not going to be able to do this. 
okay, I'm going to have to wake up at four to do it before the day starts. Like that. And those were like normal, like that, that was, that was what I did for six, almost seven months. And now I'm, now I'm so blessed to talk to my coach all the time. I used to coach. He's like, did you hit it hard? Da, 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 you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't have to anymore. I'm, I'm already, I'm at a, I'm at a maintaining. I'm just maintaining now, you know, it's still difficult. I'm in the gym every day, you know, but it's, I'm not, it's not as tedious or as rigorous. It's like, okay, let me go put my two miles in, work out a little bit. Okay. I'm good. I maintain today, you know, so uh, but yeah. Do you, do you feel, I always like the story. I always tell Landon it's Ronaldo. There's that story. They just won the champions league. And the next day at 4 a.m., he's back in the gym. Yeah, Kobe did this. Out. Jordan did the same. These guys are elite, though. I'm not for a second going to compare myself to those guys. But uh, the knowledge that you have but, gained in the last year, do you share that with your – because they're your competition, but you're also – I feel like you're humble. You've mentioned the word humble. I asked Kyle after 15 how humble you've been and how much you appreciate that. Do you pass that knowledge on to your younger teammates, or do you work – Work. beyond them and go back to, to the nine-year-olds and seven-year-olds and start prepping the parents and teaching the parents what they need to do for their players. Yeah. You mentioned to me that you, you, the mentoring, not just of players, but of parents. And I think that's more of, I feel like what we, I'm trying to do is trying to teach parents. We don't have all the answers. We don't yeah. have, and we have to go back to the subject matter experts that are out there you talked about mentoring i am assuming that's why it's my i give up (laughs) i give up i I think uh so you know kind of i think my relationship with uh with parents and the ones that i build I, i i don't think that that falls into the the play free category. I think that falls into the live free category because it's relationships. It's how the world goes round. It's people, people make the world go round. And like, I, I, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not for a second trying to gain a good relationship with the parent to help the kid. I'm trying to gain a good relationship with the parent so that we can have a good friendship relationship. We can value each other. We can, you know, learn things from each other by default. Our relationship's already going to be even stronger because I do have a relationship with your kid too. And, and I'm their coach and I'm helping them out. And I mean, I'm anybody that loves, you know, my daughter and spends time with my daughter is by default a friend also, you know, if they're good influence on my kid, I value that. So thank you. So, you know, if we're friends on top of that, even better. But I think that it just happens through relationship. I think some of the best conversations me and Ismael have had, you know, sometimes they're about Noah, sometimes they're about life. The same way that some guys would just, get together, you know, to grab a bite, grab a coffee and just talk, you know, and, and just get to know each other and get to know certain things. What, well, your kid is eight, you know, yours is nine, mine's six. I'm going to be there in three years. What have you learned? You know, it's, that's really what it's about. It's not necessarily about, Hey, your kid has so much talent. I'm blessed to be by you. Let me teach you what you can do so that he can go play on the national team. We don't know what's going to happen, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what we've talked about, Ismael, constantly. Like, mm-hmm. Noah is super talented. Hopefully, he learns to enjoy the game and maybe has a pro career, and it's awesome, and we get to watch him play in awesome stadiums for the next 20, 30, 40 years. That'd be great. But if not, we're still friends, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to, you know, it, it's it's not about our – me and Ismael's relationship is not about Noah. It's about me and Ismael. Mm-hmm. with Noah that's you know a two-way or three-way with the parents and, and you know we go from there what can we do for Noah oh well, we're moving to Dallas okay that's awesome Alpha Forms is a great place cool I think you should do it that's fantastic you know when I'm there we go hang out I think the last three times we've seen each other I didn't even train Noah we got together mm-hmm. we, uh, mm-hmm. we uh, see the World Cup trophy I had tickets to go see that mm-hmm. one and then we just hung out you know mm-hmm. we're just hanging out and I think I think one of the greatest things I can give Noah as his personal trainer and, you know, soccer mentor is just show him how I live. Mm-hmm. That's the greatest thing I can do for Noah mm-hmm. is show him how another guy that you look up to for his soccer accolades is also just another guy trying to do his best in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a mentorship part, Dion, because you're you asking also a question about how he passes that 
information back to you know the younger players that he's been playing with them go back to you know training kids are seven eight nine ten twelve fifteen years old um just i'm gonna say this as a friend and, and because i also consider that davis is my friend i think that that's probably the most important purpose that he has in his life i do believe that all these that he is doing with USL, uh, it's kind of like his passion about the ball, and, and he just cannot stop it. And and I'm pretty sure that he's going to push for that as, as, as long as he can do it. But when you see him on the field, even at that level, you see that he is always teaching that to the other players that are on the field with him. And these are younger players that are going to learn not only about, you know, what Dave is doing on the field, but, you know, off the field, they see him and they see him as a role model. Then they, they go to social media and, and in social media, Dave also has, you know, a life that he's portraying to to these younger generations. And, and I do believe that that's something that I, I'm not saying that all the that all parents cannot have it, but, you know, it's, Dave will be able to do it with his children. I cannot do that with my son because I don't have that. So I need to rely and trust that that mentor, that that sucker uh, mentorship that he can get will come out of Dave or his current coaches or his current academy. So, I do think that that's also something that parents needs to learn a little bit better. Uh, as you are saying, Ian, it's, there are subject matter of expertise everywhere, at, at our works, at every sports, and we cannot know everything. So uh, but I think that we got to be, you know, very strict into finding those role models that we want for our children and try to guide them through those, uh, to, through those eyes and then say, Hey, look at Dave, for example. I mean, you want to follow him on social media. Look what he's doing. It's not only about soccer. It's just about the love for the game, the love for the family, the love for the things that that you will get through all these experiences that come with a soccer game. So, Sorry. Yeah. No, it's fascinating how we as we see this the beautiful game of what it is and we try so hard to understand it and too hard. It, it's it, it is shouldn't hard. be that way it, it shouldn't be that way yeah and, and, and that's probably you know when i ask dave about how he correlates his experience in argentina to the love for the game that he has was because I find that we probably try too hard here. Um, it's kind of like um, back to our love life. I mean, if you are trying to convince yourself that you love someone rather than just let it happen, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, too, it's, it's not easy to push for love. You know, love is not something that you can always control. Love is something that has to be spontaneous. And, and I see that every time that you go to this topic and I see your face and it, it does create this stress of, I mean, why can I do better? And sometimes uh, I think that we also have to learn how to let go a little bit, um, breathe and, and let the children try to see how they find love for the game. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, I'm very analytical. Like my job is very analytical. Yeah. My mm-hmm. brain mm-hmm. is very analytical. And so it's always breaking everything down. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you talk, it goes back to what you said earlier. Does, does losing suck? Does winning, does it feel good? It, you could even say, does living free, is it wonderful or does it suck? And I, I know that's being very crass with what you said, but if we if we say that living free and playing free sucks, then we I think we miss the message of this game that we're trying to teach our kids. 
because if we can't allow them to philosophically understand that through the process, I think being immersed into a culture where soccer is such a huge part of the society, baseball and football is here, American football, let me rephrase that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that, or it used to be, and now there are so many different avenues to, for kids to be immersed in to find their inner, their inner, I don't know. I think sports are better to find your love for something and life skills through. Um, and I did not grow up with a heavy push for sports as a family. It was just, you're doing something and go find a sport or an activity, marching band, band, um, whatever it may be, go find an activity that you're passionate about and go do it. Um, and then having my own kids and watching them grow and watch talking to parents. I think that's, I think that's the other side is that parents are too scared to give away information they've learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just like coaches. Coaches don't want to lose players. They don't want to give up too much information because if they do, they don't have the competitive edge with their kid anymore. Um, I recently said ignorance is ignorance is the failure of our sport. (laughs) It's because of the lack of true understanding of everything. Um, And if we actually understood the logic behind it and like i i think you're i i'm i'm just blown away with what you've shared already and i don't know what else i mean you talked about mentoring to me in our messaging back and forth and, and it really hit me hard um parenting mentoring it, it's there's not enough of that there's not enough parents sitting down and just having real conversations with each other because of maybe the, the social norms of being failures or social norms of uh, true friendships you talk yeah, about but but just at always this when you feel that way just remember what i said today we have too much passion for our kids right we don't we don't have that passion for the game the same way that we have for our kids and and we've been lucky and again it's uh it, it's a reference that i discussed with dave uh no i went to play uh in italy for for a tournament uh in may and the number one thing that that caught my attention was how all of the parents that were watching the games they were all enjoying the game and it was not whether the team was up. It was they were, they will clap, they will celebrate the 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 opposite team doing something amazing. The ref will will clap and say kind of like encourage kids by putting their hands into their heads and saying like, "Wow, I mean, you did something ama- amazing." Um, I'm gonna say this not because. I will say that we should allow drinking on, on the field, but these were families that went to watch U9 games as a way to spend a good weekend with their friends. And everybody was enjoying the game. They were, you know, having a beer, eating together. Uh, they were watching the U9, U10 kids playing, but that was not above the fact that they were loving what they were watching those kids playing against each other. So, and I think that that's something that is still not there when you go to our games, when you go to your son's game, when I go to my son's game, we still, we are still lacking that culture of, we have that passion for the, for the soccer game rather than, I have the passion to see my kids succeed in the soccer game. Right. So, right. yeah, it shifts the focus, and I think it takes. If, for example, um, Ian, and, and I'm probably going too much into into detail, and like I said earlier, the science may be perfect, but the environments aren't. I'm not saying the environments are bad; they just don't always re- relate perfectly to to the quote unquote science. But, for example, if if you put the excitement and the uh, the emphasis or whatever on on the game and how the game should be played rather than how your son should play it your son may respect the game enough to give his all because he respects the game and how the game should be played 
right? It's no different than if we're playing Monopoly or we're playing Scrabble or whatever. Because I respect the game and how the game should be played, and I do want to win it the way it should be played and the way I, I can win, then I'm going to abide by what it takes to win this game. Because it's about the game. It's not about me. Right. And I think that, again, going back to enjoying the environment that I grew up in, you 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 learn that the game is huge. This sport moves a nation. <laughs> I am this small in it. But because the game is massive, the sport is massive, what it can do for an entire nation is massive, I'm going to respect it to a degree where I'm going to leave it all out there, to a degree where I'm going to learn, I'm going to get better, I'm going to become somebody in it because I see the massive influence that it has. And if that's really what I want to do, respect it. You know, I'm not going to lollygag. If this is what I want to do with my life, I'm not going to lollygag and accomplish it because it's massive. I have to respect it. I have to have a degree of, of, um, yeah, like humble, esfuerzo. Um, uh, Ismael, help me out. I'm, I'm getting into my passion language now. <laughs> um, work ethic, you know, and, and stuff like, because I respect the game so much, I respect the sport so much and, and, and what it is and, and the little things, the game within the game and, because I respect it so much, I am going to learn. I am going to get better. I am going to push limits. I am going to stay curious. I am going to learn new things. I am going to want to win. I am going to do the the nitty gritty things that it takes. I am going to be fit. I am going to get in shape, right? I'm going to do these things because I respect If I didn't respect the game and I just took my talent for what it is, I'd still be 20 pounds overweight, not playing USL 2 or playing USL 2 the last 20 minutes of every game just so I can kind of be a mentor to these guys and be somebody that was a has-been and I did play, but now I'm out of shape, so I'll play these 20 minutes. But really what that's going to do is they're going to be like, why is he even here? Like, I get it. He did play, but he's not helping us now. But because I respect the game, I spent six months rigorously getting back in shape because I was not going to step back on a competitive field if I wasn't ready. Nobody and, had and, to and tell I think me. That, yep. Yeah, it, nobody had to tell me. Nobody had to set up my schedule for me. My My wife didn't set her alarm at four to wake me up. I did, right? Like, she wasn't up when I was up at night working out. She was already in bed. Um, I, you know, because I respect it. And so there comes a degree at some point where, oh, this sport is a massive worldwide thing. Uh okay, how is it meant to be played? Because I kind of like it. Oh, it's like this. Oh, it's like that. Okay, I'm gonna do those things because I'm gonna and but then it goes back to like it's it's love that carries on it's like the reason why i always equivalent it to marriage is one a, a marriage is probably the most difficult thing i've ever done alongside pursuing pro ball and accomplishing it because it's a daily thing it's discipline it's everything but i i always go back to i don't know that i could endure <laughs> the difficulties of marriage because it is freaking difficult to do everything in order to stay married, in order to keep the happy wife, to structure your life in a way where it doesn't just fall apart in shambles. If I didn't establish the love that I did with my wife when we were dating, right? Like that's always going to end up being a reference point. No matter how crazy things get, how difficult things get at times, right? And like, yeah, through marriage, we also learn to love certain things, new things. We go through new seasons. We learn new things. We live new things. We lose jobs. We gain jobs, new kids, this, that, right? And and there's a love for that journey too. But at the end of the day, I didn't fall in love with a 30-year-old woman with two daughters. I fell in love with the, the 19, 20-year-old that I did that now is the 30-year-old that we have a family, that we all these things, right? But who I fell in love with now it transcends marriage mm-hmm. and it's the same it's same for the kid with the ball with the games at recess mm-hmm. at you know at your 44 tournament 33 tournament like you learn all these things and it's fun and this and that so that then when a coach yells or you get to that u12 you're done with the golden age you know and and it, and it becomes hard it's hard it's so difficult let me if dating is difficult, do you keep doing it or do you break up with her? You end it. You right. end it because you're just dating. You're not married yet. Right? Right. 
we make the dating period between these kids and their game so mm-hmm. difficult. Why would they? Why would they keep going? And I wanted to 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 give also a lot of credit to Ian into having these conversations out because, and this is more a question to you, Ian. After you've heard that passion that Dave carries when he is talking about soccer, and he is remembering, you know, when he was six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, that passion that he carries every time that he talks about soccer. This is not a judgment, um, and neither is a complaint. It's a it's a fair question that I'm even asking myself. Did you believe that my son, your son, and the kids that are around us will be able to have these passionate memories through the journey that we've had so far? It's I can give you a, my my breaking point as a parent, um, a less a jumping off point. When I coached, I have two yelling voices. One is my dad yelling voice, and one is just a yelling voice. Um, when I was coaching, my voice doesn't carry at the pitch, but my dad yelling voice does. <laughs> and I would yell at the kids in my dad yelling voice. And I've never like I wasn't yelling to be mean or malice. I was trying to get their attention because everyone around us. And it's only a 4v4 field at the time. And I used my dad yelling voice and I made my son cry. And that was that was the time the other coach and I turned to each other and says, no more tournaments. We're done doing tournaments. When the boys are ready for tournaments, we will do tournaments. They were seven still. We started at about five, five and a half. And we still didn't do any tournaments after that. That first tournament was when they were five. Let me think about this. This was 2000, 2000. So this is, Landon started playing soccer. So he was six. So it's, by the time he left that team, a year and a half with that team, we only did one tournament because we learned that it was not the right environment to coach these boys to love the game because between the environment from the other parents, the other teams, and how not, I'm not trying to be talk negatively about the culture at these tournaments, but you mm-hmm. can't scream at little kids. I'm sorry. It goes back to creating, going back to being the six-year-old. They'll never take you serious. They'll hate the game. They shouldn't cry when they're playing the game. Um, Juan Martinez, um, if you're, if you know who DKSC is, he's the president. He goes up until about the age of U11. Soccer practices should only be fun. Because it's not about winning, it's not about anything else, but creating enjoyment with the game. And I think that is what we're missing in our culture. I think you got it, David, in in Argentina. You got that that culture of enjoyment, the little small games, the nutmegging, the bully, saying like I'm doing. It's finding that 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 little niche. In the small side, uh, I think you're right. We and it's also, but it's it's also complemented by the the passion of, of you know you don't watch your favorite team play on TV or at the stadium and enjoy watching them lose, right? Right. But but and so you do also learn the difference between winning and losing. But that's taught to you through culture and and through the game. It's right. not ripped it's not ripped on you from an adult who's also the one trying to help you develop right like it's just it's just there like you learn the difference between winning and losing because it's a big part of your culture and it's a big part of like you don't you're gonna get made fun of by the river plate fans if boca loses you go to school on monday you're seven years old you go to school and hey what happened ah you lost yesterday dude i don't want to hear that so i want boca to win right and so that's how i learned the difference between winning and losing and that's that's it it's it's taught by by nature not by the nurture right right and and so there there has to be that that line that that balance you know especially in in eight nine year olds you know seven eight nine year olds it's like you know learn it by default because life will teach that to you and then then once you learn it you already know it okay now you're 11 now you're 12 what are you going to do with what you learned what are you right. gonna do with it? You want to win or not? Because 
you're at the point now where you kind of have to if you want to keep doing this. But right. until then, you know, until that point, uh, yeah. I think, but I yeah, think Ismael's question was really good. Do you think that your kids or kids here, um, I'm going to rephrase Ismael, your question a little bit. Do you think that there's enough of an environment here in the U.S. or even in, in you know, yeah, in the U.S. where they can gain a solid respect and passion for the game that that they'll find those things naturally, you know, and that and and that they'll like I said, it won't have to be harped on maybe. Um, do you think that there's an environment like that? Yeah, know? it goes back to the culture we create. Yeah. Culture culture is not um, Wilco with Dutch FC um, and Frisco because it's a community sport. And until it's a community sport in the United States, we'll never be a soccer developed country. I mean, something along those lines saying like, right. and that's the part that we're missing is that you have that excitement. Your parents are meeting after the game and hitting the concession stands and having that conversation, that camaraderie over pining over a loss or celebrating the win. And you right. won't, we won't get there. And I, it's not just soccer anymore. It's all sports. Um, it, we won't get there until there's that community rebuilt. I mean, look back when, I mean, I hate to say it, our grandparents played, I'm going to use here, baseball. Little League. Everyone went to the Little League field. You had your concession stands. You had your hot dogs and soda after the game. You sat there and mourned your loss or you, you celebrated mm -hmm. your win. And we don't have that. Yeah. With, Everybody with sports their own way. And you can't mourn the loss as a community. You can't enjoy the win as a community. You get back in your car alone with mom and dad and you dissect your game your yes. and it's like so it, it yeah it's, it's exactly what he might have said exactly we're passionate about our kids not the sport so how can the kid learn how the sport's supposed to be played when it's all made about him anyway right it's just not it's you just can't do it it's not possible to for the kid to respect the sport and everything that it is when we aren't even respecting the sport. We're just trying to find where he fits in it. Right. It's finding what cog he fits. Right. I think, I think like in the last two years, we've gone, we have season tickets this year to FC Dallas last year with, because of Derek Waldeck, we went to majority of their games after we met him and we got to watch them celebrate the loss, got to watch them celebrate the win. I mean, it's horrible as I say to celebrate, but you got to watch them born on the field because they come over and talk to the fans and do autographs and talk right. to everyone. And you, when you watch the FC Dallas game, they all hang their head when they go down the tunnel. They won't do, some of them won't do autographs after the game. They won't acknowledge the fans. Some of them still will, but it's interesting how when they get to watch that up close and personal versus and then when something great goes on in the on the pitch, everyone's up in the stands, jumping up and down and right. going crazy, and they're cheering for their team. And or they they excuse me, they learn the chance. And I I don't think, and maybe we will because Tex North Texas, I can only speak for the Metroplex. We call it the North. Um, I I was introduced to the mafia. They call it the mafia of soccer here, because it is controlled by so few people and you can't change the culture when a few people actually dictate everything. But before we go any longer, I'm going to, is there anything you want to share particularly with everyone? And I'll ask you my last two questions after that. Um, no, not in, not in particular. I mean, obviously thanks Ian for, for having me and Ismael on. And, um, anytime I can share my story, share what I do. I embrace that. Um, I, I don't, you know, take the spotlight lightly. I'm grateful for it. I think that, yeah, the biggest message that I have to offer is, you know, I'm not for a second going to say, you know, don't respect the game, don't give your all, but there's so much more to life than, than, just, than just the sport that you play. How you carry yourself while you play your sport is just as important, if not more important. So we have to define who we are first so that we can best, be ourselves while we're on the on the pitch. It's meow. Did I get it? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
<laughs> I've been writing it out phonetically. <laughs> what 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 advice would you give? Uh, I think that we parents uh, have a lot of the control that we think that we don't have into creating this environment. And it really starts by us. And you, you see that everybody wants to talk about the culture and you'll hear that a lot of people say that we don't have a culture here. And, and I will disagree with that because when you go to the field with your eight, seven, nine years old kid, you have the power to create that culture. And even if you are not a soccer aficionado or you didn't grow up watching soccer, as it is your case, yeah, for example, you, you can still go there and create the right environment for your kid to love the game. And I do believe that we parents have that power and that control, at least on the children and the little kids that are playing or that are learning the game. And it's so easy to mess that up. And we always try to get to others and saying like, yeah, we don't have the culture here. No, we, we do. We, we can make things different. We can tell our kids, hey, if somebody scores a goal, you have to go there and celebrate with him. And, and that's, 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 that's your goal for the game. I don't care on this game. I don't care about the goals or the passes that you do well. Now, if somebody gives you a good pass or a good assist, I want you to go run and give, give your teammate a fifth bump. Or you know, if somebody scores a goal, if you don't go there and celebrate and give them a hug, then you're not going to eat the ice cream today. So you do have the power to make some little changes that can create that positive environment for the kids playing the game. That 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 will be the um, at least that's again I messed it up sometimes. Uh, I'm still parent. Uh, I still try to learn how to navigate through all the ups and downs that that you find on on the way. But uh, I do think that we have more control than what we believe that we have. Awesome. Now my last two questions, and you guys can answer them um, separately. Um, you can pick who goes first. So I always ask, who's been your greatest influence you as a player? And I know that you now coach also, David, so also as a coach, who has been your greatest influence? And it could be anyone. It could be, I mean, we've, I mean, we've talked family, friends, coaches. You've, you've even mentioned um, your, I guess, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the word. I can't think of it. Um, being born again, so to speak. That's the word I was looking for. Um, as part of that influence, you can give whatever you'd like and it's up to you to answer this however you want because there's some, I, I always think that these are the greatest questions to ask because at the end of the day, it sums up the people. Uh, so for me, um, I think my dad, for sure. My dad, for sure, 100%, huge, huge influence um, there's one thing my dad never, ever, ever wavered on. And it's if, if he had the best to give me, he never gave me good. He gave me the best. Um, and when he didn't have the best to give me, that's a separate question, but he would always say, if, if I have it, it's yours, you know? Um, but he never settled, never settled with giving me good instead of best. Um, and then as far as, like a coaching influence, it's it's funny, man. I've I've kind of tried to. I mean, I have a I've had a lot of references of people that I've picked a lot of different things from, but man, coaching is just it's just life on a pitch, man. Life is still life. It's not it's not rocket science. We're trying to create better humans, better people. You know, better kids, better students, better sons daughters parents brothers sisters that's i treat coaching the same way the same way i respect life i respect the game but the principles are the same the principles and characteristics and values those don't those don't change and and man i, I got those from from my dad got those from my dad from my mom from my family from my grandma 
Um, I think it was, I just heard a, an interview the other day with Deion Sanders primetime. And he said, if, if your mentor and you're the person you look up to the most, isn't somebody you can touch, you got the wrong person. It's gotta be somebody right there, right there that you can literally see how they live, what they do, decisions they make. If you're basing your mentor on a two hour highlight show every other week, you have, that's, well, yeah, they're going to look good. You're only seeing the best, you know, but get into the nitty gritty. And, and so, you know, for me, my dad, my mom, my, my family, my sisters, I've learned a lot from my sisters. Um, Yeah, man, Coach Matt, Um, if he listens to this, he'll hear his name. Coach Matt, great mentor. It's just the people around me. I mean, people that I, I can't touch. I won't get one of the greatest sadness is one of the saddest things in my life that I'm gonna have to live with the rest of my life is I'll never get to meet Kobe um Kobe was it for me also but that's one that you know wasn't close to me that I could physically touch but man I learned so much from him so um but again I think life and coaching go hand in hand I think it's the exact same thing it's just a different environment you know so I try to just be the same person I try to implement the same values same characteristics it's just about soccer instead about engineering or instead of about you know whatever math and it's just that environment so sorry elongated answer no it's perfect there's no long or short i've had that answer be a 30-minute conversation <laughs> that's cool isma no I'll, I'll pass on that one because I, I don't think that it will be fair to to dave yeah i do think that he is he is the the, the person that can guide us through this. Uh, I, I can tell you that, and this is why I I decided to join Dave, because I, I do think that when you have somebody that is talking to an audience, uh, yeah, I can tell you that Dave definitely have taught us. And, and, and it's amazing how you see how, you know, somebody with so little can do so much for you. So, uh, I'll skip it, that question because it's not going to be fair to somebody like Dave that has played the sport at a high level. But I can tell you that, at least for my son, I can tell you that Dave has been uh, a huge influence on, on, on and off the pitch. So uh, I'll, I'll give that to him. You may not have played the game, but you're a parent with a player. Yeah. And there are people that influence you. I can give you the list of every person that made yeah. a pos- positive True. influence on my life. Because as a parent coach yep. going through the motions of parenting a soccer player I agree I agree and if you have any of those you may not play the game you may not coach the game but you True. you have those influences and if you want to give any of those shout outs your spouse well or you, you you know what I, what I want to tell you I, I I'll, I'll tell you my son you know I think that they go through so much and they 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 dedicate uh to, to play the game, you know, for so many hours under so much pressure at, at such a young age. Uh, and I think that they they are also, you know, a big part of why we are motivating to do some, so many stuff. I mean, we moved from Houston to Dallas. Uh, we've been doing a lot of crazy stuff. And it, it is not fighting for a dream that is ours. It's just to probably provide the opportunities that we believe that they have earned so i'll give that to him hello everyone i hope you all have enjoyed this episode of chat by the pitch this little series with with david and ismael has been wonderful for me as a parent there's a lot of things i've learned about my son about myself as a parent about me as an individual. And the perspective of this beautiful game we all love watching our players watch, or whatever it may be, dealing with soccer. Now, there was a small part where Dave and I had a sidebar conversation, pretty lengthy, and it was talking about perspective of the game. And it's talking about just losing suck. And does my son take it personal? And that was kind of cut out because it took up too much of the conversation. And but at the end of the day, it's figuring out our players' perspective of this beautiful game and how they fit into it. 
David and Ismael shared a lot of great insight and great information. And Ismael asked me at the very end, the pressure I put on my son, will it continue to create that foster, create and foster that love for this game? And will he continue having it? And I kind of dodged the question going back to when I coached. But that was my moment of realizing, like, I put too much pressure on him. I still feel like I put too much pressure on him at times. But I also always ask him, does he understand? Or does he feel like there's pressure? Or, But I also have learned that you need to ask questions and not so much berate them into understanding our viewpoint. Because... As David pointed out so well, in that game, their perspective might have been something the coach asked them to do, and that's what they're focusing on. They're doing their very best of completing that pass of maybe 10 passes, and they they feel like they lost the game because their team did not complete 10 passes. Or whatever it may be, we have to remember these are kids. I have to remember this. I feel like I put I do this with my son and my daughter at times. But as we go through this process and this cycle with our kids, we need to realize that there's so much more to this game than what's on the pitch. As the trailer for this, these episodes, David talked about making the game have characteristics that we can take off the pitch. And if you missed that little one-minute trailer or minute 90-second trailer, go listen to it. I think you might see what we're talking about. And Canon gathers the whole thing together. And remember, this beautiful game that we all love watching can move countries. It can move nations to do crazy things for these for this beautiful game. But at the same time, we as parents can move mountains if we need to for our players, but we have to do it in a healthy form. We have to let them be successful. We have to let them fail. But most importantly, it's their journey, not ours. So, like, as always, if you guys like this podcast, if you guys love what I'm doing, give me some ratings. Give me some reviews. Share the podcast with others. Let others know that this exists. So maybe they can learn what you're learning or have a different viewpoint, and they can start those conversations on, this, on, the, on the sidelines with other parents. I know it's crazy to think, but if we start making our soccer community better, the chances of our kids succeeding is so much higher on and off the pitch. So until next time, folks, I'll see you at the pitch.